Welcome to the People First Podcast, a podcast on HR for churches and ministries. I'm your host, Tim Foote, Vice President of Experience at Slingshot Group, joined by Louis Gallucci. Hey, everybody. And Kesed Berry. Hey, guys. Today, we're continuing our conversation on benefits, what you could and should be doing. But before we do, uh, Lewis is from Missio Benefits. Lewis, tell us real quick uh, what that's all about. Yeah, thanks, Tim. For those of you who have not heard of Missio Benefits, it's the Association Health Plan, the benefits program Missio Nexus. Uh, has launched for July 1st, 2019. Uh, Missio Nexus uh, is the largest evangelical missionary association in the U.S. They've been around a long time, uh, you know, tens of thousands of employees, and they've launched a benefits program. So it's all about bringing the body of Christ together and as a community, kind of changing normal, if you will. So providing the benefits akin to a Boeing or an Amazon down to, you know, the local church or ministry or school. Mm, that's great. Well, Kesset and I from the Slingshot Group, we help build remarkable teams and help people love their work. Kesset, talk a little bit about that. Sure. So we have the absolute pleasure of working with churches around the country um, to help match them up with quality candidates, people that are going to be a great fit for the role, for their team, and for where God's taking their church. And so we get to help make those connections happen. And also through coaching, we come alongside individuals on your team and help coach them to whatever their next level is, whatever area of their ministry or their leadership or for them personally that they are looking to grow. Um, we can kind of partner with them and come alongside of them and help them level up. We're students of church and ministry organizational culture. We love to see teams thrive. And we're also in a lot of transition conversations with leaders. And that includes talking through offers and talking through benefits. So this is an interesting uh, subject for us, even though I did uh, admit in the last episode that during my local church ministry time, I often didn't attend the benefits meetings <laughs> I sent my spouse. But after our last episode, I'm probably going to show up now. Yeah, saved by grace. That's yeah, why you have thank, Jesus. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Uh, but the big question for our discussion today to start us off is, how do you know if what you have is the right fit for your organization or your church, whether it's good or bad? It's like budgeting. How do you get intentional about it, Lewis? Oh, it's an excellent question. And this is the place to start, is what we're doing making sense for us as a ministry? And is it sustainable? And we like to think of it in this way, uh, deconstruction, reconstruction. Um, whether it's a budget or anything else, the best place to start is not just to say, well, what did we do last year? And I guess we'll do that. It's take everything you do from a benefits perspective, your technology, if you have it, um, your healthcare, your dental, the, uh, you know, the HSA, whatever it is that's there, tear it apart to its least common denominator and then objectively look at it. Do these programs and their utilization support and sustain our vision as a ministry, the direction we're going. And then what you do is if you objectively do that, it's, it's really actually funny. If you get some, some wise counsel, so others on your team to really look at that with you, you'll find, oh my gosh, we have this program and no one uses it. Or we have this program and it's really, really, really expensive and there's five other alternatives that are half the price. We had no idea. So tear it apart, measure them, Get outside counsel to help you do that, involve your broker, and then put it all back together in kind of, you know, version 2.0, uh, and then uh, move forward with that. 
That's great. Uh, how would you uh, add to that discussion, Kesset, as far as from an HR point of view during your time? Uh, people listening to this for the first time wouldn't know that you were on the HR staff at Life Church. Uh, how would you uh, review the plans and know what was right for the organization? Well, thankfully, that was not necessarily part of my job description, but I know that the team definitely. Um, did a ton of work in advance to understand what the needs were, what were the concerns of the staff, what did they want to see happen, um, what would add the most value for them, and really look at ways that every year we could do something to improve what we were offering to the staff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there was a ton of just soliciting feedback about what would be valued the most. Right. Lewis, what are ways that you can change your paradigm to think differently about all of this? Yes. So... In context of deconstruction, reconstruction, what many of you will find that are listening, um, you know, for a smaller ministry, um, your paradigm is limited, (laughs) to put it mildly. If you're a small group, um, whether you like it or not, the traditional models, the traditional paradigm forces you into either a small group, fully insured ACA healthcare plan, which just so we all understand, um, if you're not familiar, those are cookie cutter plans that are filed in each state with the State Department of Insurance. So United Healthcare, Cigna, Aetna, Kaiser, they say, hey, Department of Insurance, here's the plans, here's the rates we want, and then it gets either approved or denied, and you literally have a cookie cutter, a menu of plans and set rates, and it is what it is. You get no say in the matter, and you have no flexibility. So that's that's a problem with small group programs is you can't get creative and you don't have a lot of stewardship uh, options. Uh, you know, the other option in that small group paradigm is, you know, a Christian healthcare sharing program, something of that nature. Those have been growing um, dramatically the last few years and there's companies popping up all over the place. Um, and honestly, it's not that those are bad. Um, it's just knowing what they are and what they're not and not kind of jumping into one blindly. Um, oftentimes that's, it's almost like a plan B, like, well, we can't afford traditional coverage and what we'd like to do. So for budget reasons and otherwise, we'll, we'll jump into that. And, and they're, they're fine. They're, I don't uh, I have nothing against those programs. It's just, those are the two options. Paradigm change. This is an interesting one. What if, if I'm a small organization, okay, and I have limited options, what if I actually took God at his word and did benefits as a body of Christ with others. If I actually unified with others that were like-minded and gave my organization, my ministry more options, that's where it gets really interesting with benefits. Um, Because the second you're not small, you have this whole world that the big boys play with. Um, And you look at um, any big ministry out there, um, you know, compassion, focus on the family, the navigators, Wycliffe, pioneers, Samaritan's Purse, uh, Campus Crusader crew, they're all doing the same thing. They are owning their program, they own their data, and they're set up as a self-funded church plan. Okay? Why do they do that? Because it gives you more options, you have more control, and they can actually have a paradigm where they're seeing 2% growth on a cost every year or level cost. Or actually, I know I work with personally some that actually have negative trend. Get that. That seems impossible for your average small church. So what if, what if we actually came together and changed normal? 
Hmm, interesting. In all of this, how do you leverage the res- the resources at your disposal? How do you leverage vendor resources? Hmm. Um, well, again, back to that paradigm, small group or large group. If you're small group, um, you know, you have a broker or a consultant um, and there's, there's within that cookie cutter structure, there's stuff they can do for you. So they can put together open enrollment. If you missed our podcast on open enrollment communication stuff, there's a lot of good content in there that you got to listen to. Um, but there's all sorts of stuff that they can assist you with. So you don't, you know, it doesn't become overwhelming. Um, with all of your ongoing things with benefit management, so there's not a doctor in network. Um, my bill doesn't look right. Um, we had a baby. What do we do? Uh, I don't have my ID card. All that stuff. Vendors can help, and especially your broker can be a great resource. So at a church, you know, we're, we're dealing with lots of different listeners here in all different sizes of churches and organizations. Kes said when you were at Life Church, there were hundreds of employees. How did that, those scenario, type of scenarios play out and how did you leverage vendor resources? Um, definitely just making sure we knew all of the benefits that we had by working with that broker, the things that they said were available. And then if, if there was something that we wanted, that we didn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily written anywhere that that's, that was part of the relationship with that person or the broker, uh, we would ask for it um, and see if they could sweeten the deal somehow by improving what services they were offering. In other words, you don't settle. You right. can always ask. Always ask. Don't, don't you, that's so important. Um, you know, there's a great verse, uh, a prudent, so Proverbs 22.3, a prudent person with insight foresees danger coming and prepares him or herself for it. But the senseless rush blindly forward and suffer the consequences. And that the the Bible transcends society and all stuff, including insurance. Um, We need to see the reality of the industry we're in when it comes to benefits. It's the best and worst healthcare system at the same time. And the best parts of it are obvious. We have innovation, we have amazing doctors and facilities and access to care. All, I mean, it's, it's, it, no one can touch the US in certain regards, but then there's the cost side of it, right? There's ACA and all that came with it, the exchanges, which there's just an, an objective reality or those are falling apart. Um, UHC lost something like $500 million in the exchanges and they're like, yep, we're out, peace out, bye. Um, it's not working. Um, if your normal shouldn't be a 10 to 15 to 20% rate increase year after year after year, how many of you know you can see the danger coming? You, you can see it objectively. We ought to prepare. And so here's, here's the thing. Um, we ought to do due diligence within the current options that are traditional. We ought to objectively evaluate small group programs, HSA, PPO, HMO. Is it Kaiser? Is it UHC? How can we adjust our contribution strategies within those cookie cutter plans? How can we engage our employees to be helped? That's, that's prudent. We ought to do those things. We ought to evaluate the Christian healthcare sharing programs and look at them and objectively say contractually what's there, what's not, what are the costs, what are the pros and cons, and what can we do? The, the interesting thing is when it comes to coming together as a body of Christ, it's like, oh my gosh, this is scary. We can't do that. Theology, this, that, and it gets kind of weird, right? And there's a third option called aggregation. And we have this very unique thing called a church plan. 
that the body of Christ can leverage. It is a legal compliant thing to aggregate that opens up a whole Pandora's box that I believe um, the church can walk into to change an industry. I, I firmly believe that. I think we can create a new normal. Um, if small little groups, churches, schools, nonprofits came together, they're really quickly a really large group, a really large group with a tremendous amount of leverage in the market and the ability to structure things in a way where they control data. They control what they pay for and what they don't pay for from a, from a moral perspective. They control how you pour resources into people to treat them holistically and you get a new normal. And here's the thing, it's not just domestic, it's global. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other common mistakes that churches and ministry organizations fall into? Mm. It's, it's huh. policy and plan design. We'll start there. I think that's a good place to start. Um, again, part back to Proverbs, foreseeing danger and doing something about it. Um, PPOs, um, they're... The problem with a, a traditional PPO with a lower deductible is it doesn't encourage people to think before they do. Okay, and what I mean by that is uh, I have all sorts of options to access the healthcare system. I, I can use telehealth where I FaceTime a doctor on my phone. I can go to primary care. I can go to urgent care. Um, I can go to the ER. And each of those on a PPO, I have I actually am totally removed from reality as a member on that plan from what the costs are. It's a $50 copay. Great. Or it's a $100 copay or $10 copay. No, it's not. The underlying cost is multitudes more. And when you remove people from reality, they don't necessarily make logical decisions that are sustainable for the bigger picture of the program, the plan. So we are huge fans and, and philosophically believe in engaging people in plans that have components of shared responsibility. It means skin in the game. And not in a punitive way, but a corrective way. So give people a high deductible, but then give them all the tools in the world to rock it. Give them an HSA and fund it for them. As a ministry, as an employer, fund it. The savings, if I can save 15% on my healthcare from going from a PPO to an HSA, dude, take 10% of that 15 and put it back into your people in the form of an HSA contribution. That that high deductible now is not high deductible. It's actually really not intimidating. And guess what you just did? You just incentivized in a very healthy way your people to actually think before they do inside of the healthcare system. I'm going to ask you two unfair questions. Hmm. First is you're a you're an executive pastor at an 800 to 1,000 member church because I know that we've got lots of people listening or you're uh, the CEO of a, of a nonprofit mm. and your HR person comes to you or you've done the research and you need to choose the type of plan for your company or church. What do you choose? You, you, you choose an HSA, something that, and, and here's why. You choose an HSA because one, it's good for the organization from a sustainability perspective. If we only focus on today and not tomorrow, mm, no bueno, no bueno. If, we, if, if tomorrow can't be solved for through what we do today, we're setting ourselves on a course to disaster. Again, foreseeing danger and preparing ourselves for it means changing normal, changing what we've done before so we actually have success in the future. It's an HSA, and why? Because um, here we're gonna get we're gonna get a little deep. Are we ready? Data, 
Okay. We, we, we're, we use data in some, some interesting ways for large self-funded plans, big ministries throughout the U.S. 50% of members insured on any plan, I don't, care, I don't care who it is, if it's a big secular corporation or a big ministry or a small ministry, 50% hardly use the system. All right, so that means they have like no claims every year. They have like $100, $200, and that's it, right? So 50% of your people, no-brainer, ought to be in an HSA. Here's why. HSAs typically have lower out-of-pocket maximums versus those PPOs, meaning in a worst-case catastrophic scenario, if I'm that CEO, that leader, my people are actually in better shape on an HSA generally. And if, if you're doing an HSA, this is how you should structure it. So I'm just going to assume that's a given. Your worst case scenario is better. So for 50% of your folks, no brainer. Because if I'm healthy, like I've been, having no claims, my HSA is going to build value. It's my money. I can invest it. I can save it for retirement. I can do whatever the heck I want with it. I can go to Vegas and blow it. But we don't do that as Christians, right? But like we're, we're, gonna, we're going to be able to, to empower people with something that's an aligned incentive that will grow over time, right? A little piggy bank for healthcare and for other things. The organization has the ability with people engaged, not just using, but, uh, but thinking, to have sustainability and flattened trend. There are organizations out there, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw props up, uh, the navigators, right? You all have had like negative trend for a few years. Compassion International, you all have had like negative trend for a few years. That's not on accident. That's because thoughtful decisions, hard decisions at times, because change is hard, were made to position themselves for sustainability. Mm. So if I'm a leader, it's good for my people. It's the right thing to do. Sometimes tough love means ripping the Band-Aid of a PPO. It's okay to do as long as it's corrective and not punitive. If it's just I'm going to rip it out and give you a high deductible, like good luck, hope, hope it goes well, that's not good. So we have to be thoughtful in how we make that transition. Kesed, when you were at Life Church, were there common questions for, from your people of, of what they were wanting uh, from the benefits? Yeah, I mean, definitely deductibles, co-pays, uh, prescriptions, in-network, out-of-network, all of those questions were pretty standard when people were coming in our office and, and trying to learn more and understand it better. Um, you know, people would come in with an explanation of benefits thinking it was a bill. Um, so just kind of things like that to help uh, explain, simplify. Um, but those were pretty much typically the main questions we got. Mm. What's your advice, Lewis, for people uh, in the HR seat, administrator seat, uh, in the CEO or senior pastor seat for how to communicate uh, those kinds of things to the team members? Um, you keep it simple. So don't throw the industry language at people because they'll have no idea what to do with it and it'll be overwhelming. So you keep it simple um, and you keep it uh, to just a few key nuggets of what you need people to absorb. So like, honestly, the best way I think is what's the bare minimum <laughs> that, we can get, that, that we can give and still get our point across and how do we deliver it Generally, not through paper, because paper, not the best medium in our, in our opinion. Get it to where it's on their phone and on their computer and they can access it, and if possible, so their spouse can access it. Mm, that's great. So benefits, of course, are, are more than healthcare. Uh, what are some other things uh, that 
that churches and ministries need to be thinking about, fringe benefits. Yeah, well, Lewis has talked a lot about um, holistic benefits. And I think of things like counseling, um, maybe having development dollars, you know, that each individual on your team has an allotted amount of money that they can spend on books or conferences or continuing education. Um, Childcare is one of my favorites. Mm. Um, You know, there's nothing like going to work at your church that you love. And when you do that, you can drop your kids off in a facility where you know these people are going to take great care of my kids. Mm. I can come check on them. I can come visit um, and then go back and do the job that I love without having to sacrifice so much. Mm. Uh, so I think childcare, I know not every church can do that, but that's amazing for staff, um, especially if you want um, to attract really great uh, young leaders that have growing families um, and not lose them just because they have a kid because a lot of people do. You know, the sacrifice of having to put my kid in daycare, uh, you know, I'm just going to choose to stay home with my kid probably mm-hmm. if it's not a facility that I, I think is going to be great for my family. And so personal days off, flexible schedule, sabbaticals after a certain amount of time on the team, um, things that people can look forward to and realize, you know, maybe not everything is available to them in their first year. It could be a way to reward someone for a long tenure, um, for sticking around and really being part of the growth of your ministry, um, to have some of those, hey, at three years, you we're going to match you up to 7% on your 401k, whatever that thing is, um, that you can reward uh, loyalty and tenure. I think those are great things to consider. Um, I want to address wellness and um, thinking of wellness holistically but also thinking of wellness um, from a data perspective. And a, a lot of the times we, um, you know, and, and it's no fault of anyone, but you think of wellness as coaching, of um, uh, health risk appraisal, of a biometric test, of uh, eat a banana, not a cookie, like that type of stuff, right? That's, that's wellness. Um, I would suggest uh, wellness is also at an organizational level. So that's your people at an organizational well, uh, level. Wellness is providing targeted resources to the people that need them. And the people that need them are going to be those that are at a point where they have 10 doctors they're seeing. They're on 12 scripts at the same time. They're diagnosed with a bunch of stuff. Um, they're getting like a test a week. Um, roughly 5% of any insured population, that's the reality. And it's actually, when you when you objectively look at it, it's horrible. I mean, those people need help. We ought to be pouring into them emotionally, physically, spiritually, all the things that we just talked about. But the problem is that in a traditional paradigm, again, back to what are we doing and why, and are we preparing for things? In a traditional paradigm, those people are unidentified and resources don't go to them. And you may be thinking, well, what about disease management? Or what about all this stuff that the insurance company does? It's, well, I'm here to tell you the insurance companies are awesome and they do a lot of things very well that we could never do. What about disease management? What is that? <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> disease management. <clears throat> all right. Stick with me here, everyone. We're going to get through this. It can be done. Disease management is something that you, if you have a healthcare program, you are likely already paying for on all your people in the form of a per employee per month fee that's getting tacked onto your rates, right? So it's in there. It's embedded. 
If you're if you're a self-funded big program today, um, you're you're even more aware of it because it's literally a line item you see on your bill. But what it is is each of these insurance companies have an algorithm, and what they do is they the, the claims come in medical and pharmacy. It takes about two to three months, so they're delayed. They get into a repository. There's an algorithm that says, okay, if someone has diabetes and this script and this script and this claim, we need to intervene. So it's based off disease. It's two to three months old. It triggers a queue in a call center. And then the insurance company calls your employee or their spouse or kid or whatever and says, hey, we see you have cancer and we're here to help you. Okay. It's reactive. And just because someone has diabetes or cancer um, doesn't mean they're the necessarily high-risk people we, that, um, that are part of that, 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 that population we just talked about. They could have, by that time, two to three months later, it could be totally under control, or it's so late in the process that somebody gets that call. They're like, one, I don't trust you because you're the insurance company. Mm. <laughs> you're, it's like big brother calling me to like tell me what to do, and two, like, you're too late. Like, what the heck? And that we see that all the time. That is a reality in U.S. healthcare. Um, we what we ought to be doing instead of being reactive, we ought to use. And here's a big word: predictive analytics. We shouldn't look at what's happened. We should look at data in an integrated fashion to identify what will happen. What does the data suggest is future risk of consumption? And if we have that predictive risk index. We can actually identify those people that have you know, 10 doctors, 12 scripts, diagnosed with all this stuff. And before they kind of go off the proverbial cliff, intervene. So this is heavy stuff. I, and hopefully y'all are still hanging with us. But there's a way to do things that are, um, are optimal and they're not common, unfortunately. So our call out to the faith-based community, all you listening, is why don't we think of things differently? Why don't we think of things differently? <laughs> uh, either <laughs> we're, answer. yeah, Great right? Question. See, we're very sophisticated here. <laughs> either fear um, or lack of awareness. And so part, part of this podcast is to say it can be done and you ought to objectively evaluate what looking from us as a small group to a large group through aggregation, what can that do for you objectively? the pros, the cons, the risk, everything. Just objectively look at it. And then if it can make sense, which likely it will, be courageous enough with the resources that are provided to you, whether it's us or someone else, to step through that door and to, to do what you feel is right after thoughtful consideration. Um, the industry, I'll, and here's, here's another big one. We're going to get deep again. There's a lot of fat and profit baked into stuff. And I'm just going to say it, and I'm not going to be ashamed of saying it. There's a lot of fat in, in, in stuff, that, and, and it's almost immoral to a degree how much is there. So if you look at commissions, if you look at profits the insurance companies have, if you look at pharmacy, don't get me started. I mean, honestly, this, this, is, this is a problem in the U.S. You see it in the, the news all the time. Rebates, kickbacks, all the polypharma stuff that goes on, opioids. I mean, this is not a conspiracy channel, but the opioid thing is a legitimate problem in America that needs to be addressed. You know, um, why don't we have holistic alternatives? 
I mean, let's just start this. For the, for the faith-based community, why don't we give people choice? A hundred years ago, they gave you like a root or something because you had indigestion, not like some opioid to, that you had to take 10 other things to deal with the side effects. HSA uh, increases your opportunity to look into that kind of stuff. Absolutely, it does. Absolutely, it does. And, and here's the thing. <clears throat> some of these things seem, seem, it's too big. It's too big. We can't do this. I, 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 and, and I believe this to my core. Innovation, creativity, things that are new and change, that, that ought to be emanating from the body of Christ. We carry this thing, the Holy Spirit, and that's, we ought to own that stuff. It can be done um, if we just put our minds to it and think thoughtfully uh, about structure um, and, and delivery. Yeah. When we, when we talk about what you could and should be doing when it comes to benefits, most of all, what we like to see in the slingshot space is a benefits package that uh, communicates care yeah. for the individual and the leader. Talk yeah. a little bit about that, Kesson. Yeah. So I talk to candidates a lot at the salary negotiation stage when they're really considering maybe they've got multiple opportunities on the table. Um, so we talk through what those are. And part of that conversation is benefits. It's also some of those intangible benefits, the things that, um, you know, they may not think of. So I try to put it at the front of mind. What does the culture, what is the package, the total compensation package, communicate about the culture of that team, about how much leadership values their staff, about where they want to add value to them? And um, things like, you know, I had one candidate once who was looking at a, an $80,000 salary, um, decent benefits, about the same. And then another at another church, about a $70,000 salary, similar benefits. And I knew from the two churches, one of those churches, pretty standard schedule was 65, 70 hours a week um, that that person would be doing, you know, expected to be doing work <laughs> it was just a little beyond what i think most people would want to be doing uh, and i knew the other one that pretty standard was like the 45 to 50. and so i told him what what do you what quality of life do you want how much time do you want with your kids like choose the one that holistically like the whole package mm -hmm. um and what they're asking you know what they're going to give their staff and what they're asking from their staff um, to really make sure that you're making the decision that's really going to be the best long-term decision for you and your family. Yeah. It, we've been seeing a lot of uh, creative fringe benefits mm -hmm. uh, in benefits packages. Things like signing bonuses are becoming more common uh, in the search space. Uh, are you seeing much of that, Kessid? Oh, yeah. Things like, um, I mean, all the time when you can sweeten the onboarding transition for a family, uh, doing things like gift cards to the best restaurants around town and making sure that they've got those. Um, or things like if you're relocating a family halfway across the country, yeah. they don't know anyone in the area where your church is. All Everyone they love <laughs> is in some other state that they're now going to have to fly to or drive to for a long distance. Um, maybe provide a perk that is a travel allowance mm. so that you can take some of that financial burden off of them because they want to go home they want to see their family but they feel called to where your church is and that can very often um, be a struggle 
for families that are doing ministry somewhere that's very far away from their family. Mm. So I love that perk. I love it when there's, you know, you kind of say, we know this is going to come up. Yeah. Let's get a, get ahead of it and help you with it. Yeah. We've heard of fun things like uh, giving the employee their birthday off and mm-hmm. maybe even anniversary or uh, things that uh, that that improve the quality of life yeah. for, in marriages and families and lots of fun things like that. Lewis in the in the uh, parachurch faith-based non-profit space, what do you see uh, as as far as fringe benefits go? Oh, it it, it it's they're all over the place and really creative, fun ideas. Um, one of the big things is whatever it is you know you're doing, your ministry, your mission and vision, have part of your uh, you know your fringe benefits, your absence or PTO program be to pay for your employees to engage in that actual thing, whatever it is. So if it's give them a free trip to Africa, <laughs> or to to be part of the ministry there, or South America, or Asia. Um, or whatever, you know, fill in the blank for you, but have something where you might have a bunch of employees that are like, oh man, what we're doing is awesome and this is for the kingdom and Jesus, yes, awesome. But they can't actually afford to be part of it, like practically on the ground, yeah. right? So enable them to do that as part of your benefit pa- package. And I mean, it'll, people will be just thrilled. And we, and we see that all the time in the parachurch, you know, nonprofit world. Mm. As we wrap, uh, give me a final question from both of you that, uh, that these people should be asking when it comes to benefits packages? Uh, so what is it worth to us? What's it worth to have a fully engaged staff that feel valued and that as a leadership team that you're looking out for them? What's it worth um, long-term? Is what we're doing now sustainable long-term? And if the answer is no, um, what are the options? And if, if just everyone listening just does that, I think you'll be in a much better place tomorrow than maybe you've, where you've been you know, historically. So objectively look at what's out there. And, and one last thing, um, believe, believe um, you can make a difference. Believe that you can create healthy change, um, that nothing is impossible, all right? Like, actually believe it. And then whatever it is uh, you feel is right as the Spirit leads, I mean, rock it. That's, our, that's, that's my closing comment. My encouragement would be to always ask, what is our benefits package communicating about our organization? Mm. And remember this, don't be a Toby, put people first. Thanks for listening. Thanks.